My name is DJ Dust Bunny. My name is MC Noxious Exhalations. And my name is Dirty Disco Jeff. Intruder! Intruder alert! Yes, he's back. He's back. At our request, I have to say, we were noticing that uh, the glitter balls that we have scattered around the moon base are going to be grubby. Disrepair. They've gone out of sync. That's the really <laughs> terrible thing about it. Hey, look at them looking here. <laughs> They're weighed down with filth. Because I shed a lot. <laughs> So, yes. Yes. Welcome to a particularly filthy edition of Project Moonbase entitled... Where there's muck, there's brass. <laughs> which doesn't actually have anything to do with uh, muck, but does have a lot to do with brass. Yep, this is the brass special. This is all brass, so prepare your eardrums. There's going to be quite a lot of uh, intense brass action. Yeah, it's not all belters. It's mostly no, belters, but it we, is. Do, we do occasionally uh, turn it down a bit we have tried a bit to lyrical. We have. We've tried to illustrate the fact that brass isn't always brash. <laughs> but mostly brash. <laughs> but mostly brash. In amongst that, of course, we do have MC Noxious Exhalations and his unnecessary news. That's right. This week, an angry prancing king crab, alive and kicking out of the pincers, that doesn't make sense, is fished out of the water tank and right before your eyes. And before you say, hey presto, a mouth-inviting dish of chilli crab is placed before you by a confident and beaming chef. (laughs) Very tasty. Very tasty. We're going to start by playing Britain's answer to uh, Herb Albert, (laughs) that being the bun-down brass of Ray Davies with his sensational version of a Latin American classic, that being Tequila.
That was Tequila there from the button-down brass featuring the funky trumpet of Ray Davis from, a, in this case, a compilation yes. album, In Flight Entertainment. Splendid stuff. It was, yes. Bit of a classic, that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there'll be more <laughs> brass coming on. There's going to be a whole gamut of brass, isn't there? There is. Tickling... Uh, What's, what's the thesis behind this? Well, we're trying to feature as many different instruments from the brass family as we possible. Are. So everyone yeah. gets a feature in their own, in their own uh, way. Even the horrid nieces and nephews <laughs> that nobody cares about. And uh, long-term listeners of the show will know that we do have a, a, a massive affection for the sound of the brass instrument. And we just haven't really given it its due. Really. Well, come on. We've played Herb. <laughs> we, we oh, Herb! And I'm glad to say you'll be hearing the herb later on in this edition of the show. Excellent. Well, this could be start of a new a new series you could be doing about, about different instruments of the uh, of the, the orchestra. orchestra. Yes, yeah. yes, we could do. Yes, let's do a show on woodwind. If you enjoyed that track and you want to find out more about the tracks we play on the show, head on over to projectmoonbase.com where you can find a list of all the tracks we play and links to where you can find them on Amazon and on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash projectmoonbase, and we are now on Stitcher Radio as well. <laughs> we are, yes. If you're in America. Mm. And you have an automobile if you're driving around in a Cadillac. <laughs> or a Pontiac. Or a Corvette, perhaps. Yes, all of those. <laughs> or just a pickup truck. Or just a, <laughs> just a pickup truck, yeah. Well, S- they're like their SUVs, are they, don't they? They do. Yes, proceeding with more brass, as we will be for every track on the show, we're going to hear from our favourite German street band, Tetere. We used to play almost every week on the radio show. It's, we'd rather, again, rather we neglected them since we moved to the world of the podcast. We've forgotten them. Did you find them at the bottom of a kind of dusty <laughs> cardboard did. box? That's right, yes. They were lurking there. Okay, please, please give us some attention. So this is from their album called Ding Ding Ding. And this is, I guess, a kind of callback to our celebration of a recent birthday. Mr. Tony Hatch. Mr. Tony Hatch, yes, who was uh, 74. Well, we thought was 80, but uh, we turned were, out to we be... We were <laughs> disappointed to discover it was only 70. 75. 75. 75. Well, he doesn't look it. <laughs> no. Uh, if you want to hear a whole show of uh, Tony Hatch, including a version of Downtown, go to projectmoonbase.com slash Tony Hatch. But this is Tethere's version of arguably his most well-known pop hit, Downtown. <laughs> The unmistakable sound there of uh, downtown, a rather scattered version by (laughs) Tatara, a Tony. Do you think he'd like it? I I always (laughs) think whenever we play a cover version of a Tony Hatch tune, I just picture him fuming. (laughs) That's the idea. So uh, what musical instrument from the world of brass are we bothering now? Well, we're now now moving on to the the tuba. Mm. Yes, that uh, giant of the brass family. Oh, yes. 
I had to ask DJ Dust Bunny um, if he had any good uh, ideas about what sort of uh, tuba tunes might fit within the genre. Yes, there's a great Christmas album by a band called Travel in Light, which seems to have been, well, after a bit of research, it has been formed by this the tuba player, Sam Palafian, who recorded an album called Travel in Light. So that's where the idea came from. But we didn't think it was appropriate at this early hour to play a Christmas tune. So we're going to play a track from the uh, from this, as it were, debut album called Travel in Light. This is Sam Palafian and Friends, and Unspecified Friends, with his version of of Sweet Georgia Brown. Sam Palafian and friends there with their version of Sweet Georgia Brown, better known as the Harlem Globetrotters theme. I was bouncing a basketball along <laughs> as that was playing. I always think that they recorded the original version, but of course, that would be nice to hear them actually in the studio, the Harlem Globetrotters recording a version of that, but it might not be totally musical. But they're a basketball but team, are, so. Well, they are a basketball team. They're mute, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> It's sad. It's no laughing matter. <laughs> Sorry, so the legend goes. There are many ways in which you can listen to the show. We post each show up on Mixcloud.com, and in fact, we've recently, in fact, regularly, hitting the charts on Mixcloud. The comedy charts. The, the comedy why? chart. Um, it's a dearth of humorless DJs, that's why. That's right, because nobody else is making <laughs> comedy podcasts. Nobody else chuckles no. on their show, because no. it's very, very serious. It is. So uh, Mixcloud.com, Project Members, you can get all of our shows there. And uh, again, you can see the tracks and also the beautiful cover art in glorious large format as well. We're also on Tumblr and occasionally on Instagram. DJ Dust Bunny will occasionally picture some gravy or gruel that he's handing out to <laughs> <Will>. me. <laughs> some trinket that's reached the moon base that he's keeping for himself. We do actually have some more stale Weetabix, actually. We do. My favourite. So I brought some with me. So <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I hope it's yeah. I hope it is entirely stale because I, <laughs> I like to think that any vitamins there have decayed away. <laughs> well, it could well be because I think it's still been hanging around since my last trip to the moon base. So. <laughs> mm. 
delicious. I don't think we've actually formally thanked uh, Jez Butler, who sent up to the moon two badges, the 12 Hour Foundation. He sent us a couple of badges and a sticker. So thank you very much, Mr. Butler, for that. And we'd like to thank Indestructible Sam for a review that he wrote on iTunes. Mm. A glowing review. And you too can do that, listeners. You, you have can. the power if you have iTunes. It's free. Just, you know... <laughs> Press some buttons and stuff. Type in Project Moonbase and you can give us a nice review and five stars. Just say something nice, for goodness sake. <laughs> we'll be returning very shortly with some live herb, dear listener. Oh, yes, the herb in reality. But before then, we're going to sit on the deck chair in front of the bandstand of Unnecessary News. London Museum plans to steal Nessie. Yes, this is... Outrageous! At a time when the nation's most elusive inhabitant was treated with gravity by British officialdom, there was a fiendish plan to snatch her from under Scottish noses. (laughs) Newly discovered documents have revealed how the National History Museum in London appealed to so-called bounty hunters to help secure the carcass of the Loch Ness Monster, (laughs) according to a new book. Files dating back to the 1930s show staff at the institution were keen to steal a march on museums in Scotland and around the world by exhibiting all or part of the beast's remains. The correspondence from the museum's archives demonstrates a seriousness which early rumours of her existence were treated. In 1935, a year after the first sightings of a supposedly mysterious creature lurking in the loch's depths, the book claims an employee made it clear it would be keen to trump institutions such as Edinburgh's Royal Scottish Museum. In a letter dated March of that year, the unnamed official responded to questions about the museum's policy on Nessie. The message was quite clear. Should you ever come within range of the <laughs> monster, I hope you will not be deterred by humanitarian considerations from shooting him on the spot and sending the carcass to us in cold storage. Before adding, short of this, a flipper or jaw or tooth would be very welcome. Charming. <laughs> Murderous. Britain's Extraordinary Files, that's with an X rather than an EX. It's oh. annoying. Author David Clark examined various myths and stories in Britain's folklore. Clark says during the 1930s, the monster became an important symbol for Scottish nationalists who wanted the police to protect the creature from big game hunters. It's a priority. Nessie had become a Scottish icon and a symbol of national identity. He added there was a genuine outrage at the possibility that the corpse of the monster might be taken for display in London. That's what they said. That's probably going to happen to Alex Salmon at some point, isn't it? (laughs) Probably, yes. He's not looking well. Any minute now, the museum in London is going to want to whisk him down there to stuff him. (laughs) Put a little brass plaque underneath him. In a 1934 letter to the then Secretary of State for Scotland, Edinburgh's Royal Scottish Museum states a claim to the carcass. The museum urges strongly that the RSM has the reservatory rights to the monster if and when its corpse should become available. Hmm. We think the monster should not be allowed to find its last resting place in England. Such a fate would surely outrage Scottish nationalism, which at the moment is thriving greatly under the monster's beneficent influence. Are they talking about salmon again? Bless him. Apparently the Scottish office opened a file on the monster in December 1933 in Edinburgh after being bombarded with inquiries from the press. Files found in Edinburgh show pressure was growing for a special act of parliament to prevent Nessie being killed or captured. (laughs) The campaign was led by Inverness MP Murdoch MacDonald. Evidence of its presence, he said, can be taken as undoubted. Far too many people have seen something abnormal to question its existence. He demanded a bill be put before Parliament to protect the creature and advise the Secretary of State for Scotland there was no law for the protection of monsters. Later on, the London Museum's appetite for all matters Nessie waned. In 1959, they wrote to employees warning them, trustees do not approve of the spending of official time or official leave on the so-called Loch Ness phenomenon. Well, it's interesting that this is just coming out now, because had this Nessie napping come out earlier, it might have affected the uh, the vote. Swung the vote? Yeah. I'd like to know how one goes about killing or capturing a mythical creature. (laughs) Well, it's tricky, obviously. (laughs) Who knows? The mind boggles. In other news, a Russian health agency warns selfies spread head lice. (laughs) Yes. 
Not too close. Selfies could have some itchy consequences, according to a Russian health agency. Young people should stop taking selfies in order to avoid catching head lice, a Russian government agency has advised. The selfie craze where people cram together to fit into arm's length photos is the main reason for the spread of parasites. Now, they're not really talking about selfies so much as they are talking about where you have pictures of you and other people. It doesn't have to be you taking the picture. If it's just you on your own, you're not going to get head lice by taking a selfie, are you? Or maybe you are. Unless you do duck face. You just look like an idiot, but you're not going to get any lice. People trying to fit together in an arm's length photo is the main reason for the spread of the parasites, according to Krusk Regional Department of Rospotrednadzor, a Mm. government body which advises on human well-being. Taking photos in such close quarters with another person's face means the lice can jump from one head to another, it warns, noting that doctors have banned children with head lice from going to school. All right. (laughs) This is not the first slightly questionable decision this agency has uh, come out with. They proved controversial in the past. Its former head, Gedny Osishchenko, once suggested killing crows, describing them as feathered wolves, which spread bird flu. He was also associated with banning food and drink imports from countries unpopular with the Kremlin. Mm. Mm. The agency's lice advice has been mocked by social media users in Russia. Are they suggesting most young people in Russia have lice? Asked one Twitter. This is wonderful. Oshenyenko's work still flourishes. The more bonkers the reason, the better. Said another Twitterish. Twitterite. Twitterati? Who knows? Mm. You have been used. Dangletail. Thank you, Mrs. Iconium. Thank you, sir. For that highly infectious uh, selection of news stories, there'll be more later on in the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're very proud to present uh, at the club a fantastic big band, uh, featuring musicians from all over the world and other places. And this is their first appearance here at the club, and we'd like you to give them a very warm welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Herbelsheimer and the Rhythm Combination of Brass. Thank you. Thank you. 
The extraordinary sound, of course, of the herb. <laughs> the herb and his rhythm combination and brass from a live album called Scenes, which has recently had another reissue. So you can get that as a lovely download. Sadly, I don't think the box set that we dipped into very heavily a while ago is available anymore in CD, but if you can, track it down second hand. It's a great collection of pretty much everything that the Herb recorded on the German MPS label. That's well worth having. Everything's in the cloud now. It doesn't have to be uh, <laughs> yeah, little, yeah. little shiny discs. Like yesteryear. <laughs> and you may have heard at the beginning there the lovely tones of Ronnie Scott, because of course that was recorded at Ronnie Scott's club. And now we're going to, uh, I didn't plan this, but now we're going to uh, press um, <laughs> next week's landmark bicentennial edition of Project Moonbase, which um, MC Zirconia might want to explain the theme for that, but um, which is uh, dueling jewels. Do you want to explain the concept there? Well, the, the concept, it, it's very clever. <laughs> You'll be even more impressed when you see it written down. It's a duel between dual tracks, two versions of the same song, head to head, dueling. <laughs> Yes. See, double meaning. It's layered, listeners. And it's double length. And as it's well. a double length. It's a double, it's a gatefold sleeve. <laughs> And uh, the reason we're presaging that is, is exactly what the concept of the album from which this tr- next track comes is all about. It's um, called Balkan Brass Battle, mm. and it's, it's all about a battle between two different Balkan brass bands, one from Romania, which is uh, Fanfare Cicalia, and one from Serbia, which is the Boban and Marko Markovic Orchestra. And uh, on this album, there are, in fact, two versions mm. of, of Caravan, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they battle off against each other to see who can do the best version, if you mm. like. And I think we have actually already played, or you have I already think- played. Yes. The version by Fanfare Kachar. We have indeed, oh, yeah. yes. Uh, I looked it up. It's on the episode Physical Soup, which oh. is uh, <laughs> com slash soup, if you'd like to go and check that out. But anyway, this is the uh, Boban Marko Markovic orchestra version, and uh, it's a real belter. It's a techno, 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 techno <laughs> version, but uh, I like it. I, lo- I love the way the when it comes to the first note of the uh, of melody, it sounds like uh, one of those uh, US freight trains, so <laughs> burning yes. its siren. So uh, sit back and enjoy this wonderful version of Caravan.
Boban and Marco Markovic there with their version of Caravan, as if you are not sick of Caravan enough, because we had a whole show of Caravan. But we can't let go of it, listeners. That's what's happened. It's stuck. <laughs> it's like stuck to the sole of our shoe. And in fact, it's stuck to our souls. <laughs> the other thing to say about that particular track is um, that was kind of my soundtrack to the summer of 2012. Because um, <laughs> I was... Uh, <laughs> Went to um, Victoria Park in, in Hackney uh, oh, yes. to watch them on the giant screens and uh, there was a live band playing to sort of keep the punters entertained and mm. that was one of the things And that you saw played. that live? Yes, wow. so that was uh, oh, excellent. Yeah. Mm. And then we're going to hear from possibly the only example of a jazz flugelhorn player. We are talking about the great Shake Keen, pretty unique in his field. I think you may have encountered him on uh, Johnny's Trunks, featured him on the reissue of a Hastings Girl Choir album called Rising Stars, but we're going to play a track which um, you can get on a twofer of uh, two albums he'd recorded called uh, Dig It and Shake Keen. And this particular track actually comes from the second of those two, With the Keating Sound, with, of course, Johnny Keating, local lad. And this is a, a version of a classical piece by mm. Villa Lobos, and I think Villa Lobos himself based his compositions on Bach, so hence the kind of Brazilian Bach mm. style of this. But this is a very nice arrangement. And uh, But yes, it also presages a possible future show. Yes, we might well be doing a whole show of uh, classical covers. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy Mr. Shake Keen on the Flugelhorn with Bachianas Brazilianas number five.
when we were putting this show together, I suppose Disco Jeff suggested that we uh, include a track by the great Alan Hawkshaw, The Hawk. And I was thinking, what good example might there be of a good brassy bit of Alan Hawkshaw? And that was it there. Not sure how I managed to forget that he, of course, wrote the theme to the Dave Allen show. One of the one of his absolutely classic tunes with a delightful bit of organ work on it as well. Yeah, absolutely superb. Mm. Um, emblematic there I was getting <laughs> flashes back to my childhood oh. yep, the, the whiskey the cigarettes the chair the <laughs> missing fingers <laughs> the endless jokes about the Catholic Church that's right yes yeah I used to love that show and even when he came back um, in the 80s and did one final uh, series it was still pretty good I mean he, it was slightly dirtier and slightly more sex jokes but um, so slightly more adult content but even yes. so he still had it I thought. still had me in stitches you can get that on Mohawk which is uh, as you might guess a compilation of of uh, the work, great work of Alan Hawkshaw. On the RPM label. On the RPM label. And uh, we may have mentioned it before, we're going to keep mentioning it. If you go to projectmoonbase.com slash brass, there will be a track listing wherever possible. We try and make it possible for you to buy each of these tracks. You'll be able to do that through Amazon or iTunes. And if you want to buy something else from Amazon, <laughs> like a jet ski or a, a child <laughs> cycling helmet, or perhaps just a pair of trousers, go to projectmoonbase.com and if you go through our Amazon portal, mm. it won't cost you anything, but we'll get a tiny nugget that we can use in space to help us live. <laughs> I bought gardening equipment. That means. <laughs> Thank you very much. There we go. I'll, hopefully it was a mower you can ride on. Was that kind no, of... it was just secateurs, I'm afraid. <laughs> and a holster for them. A holster? Nice. A, holster. a belt holster. <laughs> Absolutely. Very stylish listeners. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> we will be returning very shortly to listener to hear some extraordinary examples of ping-pong stereo applied to the world of brass. First of all, it's time for us to oil the valves of unnecessary news. South Sudan women propose a sex strike for peace. (laughs) Female activists in South Sudan have proposed a nationwide sex strike to end the country's civil war. (laughs) The activists want women to support the strike in the hope that it encourages men to seek a peaceful settlement. The uh, idea came about at a meeting of more than 90 women activists, including several MPs in South Sudan's capital, Juba. A key suggestion was to mobilise all women in South Sudan to deny their husbands conjugal rights till they ensure that peace returns. The meeting's organiser said in a statement, South Sudan's government has been fighting rebel forces since December 2013. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled to neighbouring countries and 1.4 million are internally displaced as a result of the crisis. Sex strikes are not unheard of as a peacemaking tactic. In 2003, Liberian women used the same method as part of their efforts to end the country's brutal 14-year civil war. Leymar Jibawi, who led the strike, was in fact awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2011. Really? Well, hey, whatever works. That's brilliant. And I know uh, listeners of Project Moonbase and Greek scholars overlap heavily, and they will all be no doubt screaming <laughs> Lysistrata by Aristophanes, of course. This was a ancient Greek mm. play which, uh, after 20 years of the Peloponnesian War, Lysistrata convinced the women of Athens and Sparta to withhold sex. Mm. Isn't that more likely to wind up the men folk, though? Make them even more well, yeah, belligerent? But then it brought them their minds to focus. <laughs> like, this, this is intolerable. <laughs> and in fact, if you see it staged, because it's oh. a comedy, <laughs> oh, right. it's a comedy, the men walk around stage with their giant phalluses. Oh, so it's one for the kids. <laughs> so I'd say steer clear of South Sudan for a while. <laughs> Another place to steer clear of, the Lebanon. Hospital attacked over body hair. Oh. Hmm. A hospital patient in Lebanon called for members of his clan to open fire on the building because a doctor wanted to shave his body hair. <laughs> He's highly strong. <laughs> Seems to be. The man, thought to be a member of the Sadia clan, was due to undergo a kidney operation in the town of Baalbek, eastern Lebanon, but he objected to the surgeon's plans to remove his stomach hair as part of the preparations. The situation quickly escalated as the patient, concerned that his masculinity was at stake, called his friends. Those friends responded by appearing in a 4 by 4 and opening fire on the hospital. <laughs> you will not take my belly hair! <laughs> There were no reported casualties, thank goodness. Let's not judge the whole of Lebanon on this one hairy strafing. www.destinationlebanon.gov.lb Information on tourism, including events, culture and history. And belly hairs. 
Yeah, so there we go. And finally, before we get too smug, more Britons believe in aliens and ghosts than God. <laughs> New study has revealed that half of the adults in the UK think aliens exist, 51%, compared to just a mere quarter that believe God does. It was also found that even more Brits think ghosts and UFOs are uh, also out there. 55% for ghosts and 42% for UFOs. <laughs> the poll, which was carried out on 1,500 adults and 500 children, found one in five Britons claim to have experienced the supernatural, and one in ten believe they have lived in a haunted house at some point. <laughs> oh dear. Just over a quarter of kids, 26%, think aliens are disguised as other humans, while 5% think they've met one, with some pointing the finger at their dear old mum. <laughs> well, I think this tells us more about kids than it does about aliens, specifically that they are ungrateful little twerps. <laughs> the poll organised by Ripley's Believe It or Not London team, that trips off the tongue, does, found 13% yeah. of adults were more scared of ghosts than their children. It's a weird... Hmm. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> And their top three fears were spiders, 47%, big dogs, 24%, and heights, 23%. Imagine if you're on a clifftop and along comes a tarantula riding on top of an Irish wolfhound. Hello there! To see me, I'm a giant dog on a cliff with my friend the spider. What's the problem? And I've suddenly become Terry Wogan. You have. I'm a talking dog. Natasha Crump, general manager for Ripley's Believe It or Not London, said, according to the results, it's clearly not just children who have an open mind when it comes to other life forms. We live in an age of science and turn to it for most of our answers, but the results show that many of us still hold beliefs in things that might exist outside our world and beyond our understanding. So just statement bleeding obvious there, isn't she? Like Project Moonbase. Five stars, tell your friends. You have been used. <laughs> Doodle. Thank you, Mrs. Cunningham. Thank you, sir. For a very mystical selection of new stories. There'll be more on next week's show. Infrasonic sound of 
of the brass menagerie there certainly in the beginning uh, notes that uh, are so low that uh, they felt the foundations uh, shaking at the moon base the brass menagerie were of course a trio of brass choirs trumpets trombones and french horns mm. so we've got a bit of french horn oh, leveraged yes. into that track there in addition to the usual cohort of the light brigade providing the uh, the rhythm section for that track Anyway, now we're going to move on to an extreme stereo double bill. And we're starting off with a trombone feature. About time we had some trombones on the show. Mm. This comes from Dick Shorey's Percussion and Brass Ensemble. And the extreme stereo element of this is that this comes from the series of recordings made by RCA in the early 60s called the Stereo Action. And where they were showing off the potential of stereo by having a sort of extreme swings from left to right channel. The original album, this comes from, I think it was called Run In Wild. Mm -hmm. But um, you can get it now, I think still, on a, a series of compilations called Space Age Pop. And this comes from Volume 3. Anyway, this is Dick Shorey's Percussion and Brass Ensemble with their version of Lazy Bones. Thank you. 
A somewhat alarming night in Tunisia there for Doc Severinsen, part two of our ping-pong stereo. <laughs> yes, it's just extreme stereo. Did you notice listeners are leaping from one ear to the other like you were having some kind of embolism? <laughs> That's from us to you. Yes. That was from an album called Tempestuous Trumpet, well-named. Oh, yes. The whole album is very tempestuous. And, in fact, it's an Enoch Light production. A little... a second one of the show. <laughs> second one of the show, yes. It's been a while since we've rubbed up against Enoch, it isn't is, it? It is. It's far too long. Far too long. I have been DJ Dust Bunny. I hope you have a highly polished horn after this week's edition of the show, dear listener. I have been emceeing Noxious Exhalations, and I hope you saw your face in it. <laughs> and I have been Dirty Disco Jeff, and I hope you enjoyed emptying the spit valve during this episode. <laughs> We're going to leave you by paying a visit to a compilation we've visited quite a lot over the years. A great two, well so far, two stage compilation. Uh, correction, it's now three. Oh, it's now <laughs> breaking news <laughs> well. to listeners. Now three stage called the Inkraut which you might gather is features lots of German pop music. Yes, this is, comes from the, uh, the great uh, German jazz drummer and band leader Klaus Weiss. <laughs> And it's a cover version of, a, of a, a song called Get It On, but it's not the T-Rex song. It's a, a, obviously a German hit from an American brass-heavy outfit called Chase. But anyway, this is Klaus Weiss's cover of Get It On. Until next week, dear listener. Mud, mud, glorious mud. Nothing quite like it for cooling the blood. Episodes. Jewel Jewel, 200 years of Project Moonbase.